When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I am your host, Steve Haller. With me, as always, is my other host, Christian DeGuzman. Not here is our other host, Andy Pregler, because he forgot his computer. Thanks, buddy. How are we doing, Christian? The, the one time we get Pregler up to Central New York, and he botches it. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Not indeed. Well, there's a lot of things, reasons why we can't have nice things, and it's because... Syracuse is a thing. Yeah, most of uh, this week, it seems like most of those not nice things involve the lacrosse team. So should we start yeah. with the uh, the sad potatoes? Let's start with the sad potatoes, Syracuse. Uh, men's lacrosse, of course, ending on yet another loss. Uh, this time it's, again, an 18-11 to 11 loss to Notre Dame. Unfortunate on the senior day that it ends like that. Um, of course, Pat Kavanaugh continues to Pat Kavanaugh with another... A uh, game where he goes four goals and six assists. That guy is a, a nuts. Um, the lone bright spot is that Syracuse m- might have someone like uh, a good enough on attack that might you know help out. Is Jackson Burkwistle, who had five goals against Virginia last week, now had three goals this week against um, against Notre Dame when he was more of a starting role. So maybe he starts to come up a bit more. As a more uh, as a better starter, and also congratulations to Brennan Curry, who he he passed his dad on the uh, Syracuse's all-time leading goal scorers in their career. So <laughs> that's a that's a cool moment in his last game for the Orange. Yeah, that should uh... pass pass his dad, who had a fairly good career in Orange. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely not going to be one he's going to forget. So no. And I mean, to be fair, he's a player we're not going to forget. He's been one of the the bright spots on this squad. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and since Syracuse is not going to play in the NCAA tournament, most of the attention now really actually draws to the professional ranks with uh, the PLL and with the Premier Lacrosse League. Since uh, that's where you'll see the most Syracuse action next. Uh, the PLL draft is actually coming up either this week or next week. I believe it's actually next week. But that'll be something to, in, to to watch out for. It's going to be, I believe, streamed on ESPN somewhere on one of the ESPN networks. And 
the PLL draft, and I think there's an expectation that Brandon Curry and Brett Kennedy will both get picked. So that'll be something excited to look out for. I'm actually got to look up when this is exactly. Yeah, that'll draft. It is going to be on ESPNU uh, next Tuesday at 10 at 8 p.m. And are you planning on... uh... Planning on starting up another fantasy league, or? Uh, we we've already set our draft date for May thirteenth. So yeah. Oh, there you go. Can't beat that. <laughs> so nope. yeah, we yeah me and me and a couple other uh, Syracuse friends who were also um lacrosse play lacrosse fans or former some some former lacrosse players. I uh, will be enjoying and seeing that draft. Absolutely. Now I think uh, I I can say I apologize to uh, anybody on Twitch because it seems like we're not getting audio through there. Um, let me still tweak this, but uh, I think I, yeah, it's it's the ever present issue of uh, running a podcast, live stream, everything else, all at the same time, while changing equipment. So um, we've we've hit the men. Uh, unfortunately, the women seem to have also had some some sad uh, yeah. sad happenings. It seems. Yeah, you expect the women to at least make it past the first round of the ACC tournament. Unfortunately, it's a fourteen eighteen loss to Virginia, a team that they beat at Charlottesville seventeen eleven earlier this year, and that's a shocking loss. Yes, the because the only two other losses that they had during the uh, regular season in the ACC play were to North Carolina and Boston College, obviously the number one and number two teams. So it's not exactly the best karma going into the NCAA tournament. Um, Syracuse will make it in as an at-large, there's no question about that. It's just bad momentum right now. And the fact that it's, you gotta keep, you can't keep forgetting that this is, again, another banged-up Syracuse Orange women's lacrosse team that doesn't have Emma Ward, doesn't have Emma Tyrell, doesn't have Sierra Cockrell. So it's going to be tough sledding once Syracuse makes it further into the NCAA tournament. But that's an auspicious start, to say the least, that you don't even get the chance to rematch against the UNC or Boston College in the ACC tournament. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough in that sense. And then what, what does that do for their overall seeding? So overall seeding right now, RPI-wise, they're five. Um, so I th- I think they'll get eight. I still think they'll get a top eight seed, which if I if memory serves me correctly, that will at least guarantee them a home game. Um, if, okay. And again, if memory serves me correctly, um, I could be completely wrong on that. So don't quote me exactly, but I believe that a, that top eight get a. I'm actually gonna look this up. Uh, I believe <laughs> top eight get a a home game. So. Luckily for the women, also, they'll probably won't have to, if they do have a home game, they won't have to play that at the SU Soccer Stadium or at, like, CBA or something, because the men won't be taking up the Carrier Dome for an NCAA tournament game. Very true, Um, which, you know, unfortunately is the case this year. Uh, Yeah, that... It's going to be weird to see this postseason play out without Syracuse, and it's going to be weird to see this postseason play out on the women's side with Syracuse probably far lower seeded than we expected them to be all season because of this. Yes, and I think I am correct in saying that the uh, no, it's I think it's only the top. It might only be top four seeds. Ooh. That could be that could be interesting. I think it might only be Yeah, so it's, it, uh maybe I'm, I'm, excuse me here, I'm doing research on the fly. Uh the last the eight seed was Stony Brook. Oh no, so so the so they'll at least get one home game. Okay, so yeah, that'll be better uh-huh. better than the alternative, and uh, the dome will uh-huh. at least see some postseason action this spring. Um, yeah. It's uh-huh. I, you mentioned the the injury bug. Is it becoming just too much of a uh, too much of a recurring theme throughout all of Syracuse athletics? Where like I don't I don't know how you how you quantify it but it seems like every single program every season we're saying you know what well they were they were really injured that year like what yeah what, what point there's is a, does correlation there's, there's, equal causation <laughs> there there's definitely yeah now 
now you're starting to get to the point where yeah we've seen it too much on all all forms where most of them uh, where some it's it can't be a freak occurrence anymore for some of them like let's say give jesse edwards and his injury that's probably right. a freak occurrence that probably doesn't happen um too many times if you replay that game again yes he had a poor game against boston college but he probably doesn't foul out the same way and and injures his hand the same way if you replay that game yep uh like a hundred times yeah no and I, that injury that don't that injury maybe happens two other times and that's it um the other injuries like I think and a lot a lot's been made about the carrier dome and of course the big one is the turf and so at least for like the women's lacrosse injuries a lot of those are lower body injuries or speculating not confirmed but speculating they could be ACL injuries mm-hmm. which is which would be a result of the turf but um you know lower body injuries could be anything as you know Steve Oh yeah um, all too familiar with them Yeah uh but there, there is a speculation that the turf has had something to do with that as well. And then when you look at football as well, it just seems like those guys just get broken down over in time, which is not great when the strength and conditioning staff isn't really keeping them up in the strength department to withstand injury. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's so weird to see. Like, yes, the hoop stuff could be a fluke. Yes, all those things you mentioned, but like. I don't know at what point at what point do we do we like single something out I, I don't even know if there is or possible a point and I just wanted to bring it up but it's it just is something that's been been bugging me for for a bit with uh with the past past history here yeah and it's it's just, at some point like if, especially if it continues into next year then I think it's something that you continue to look at um I think the past couple of years you could have caught chalked it up to a COVID year type of thing. And then in 2021, it's a, you know, a return to a more regular schedule and a more normal schedule. But then when you get into next year, and if the same injuries continue to happen again, then right. I think you can start, you know, looking a bit further into each program and be like, okay, why is this happening across the university? Right. Absolutely. So, well, uh, I, I guess there's no other way to transition out of that other than a hard cut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we kind of went a little too far down that rabbit hole. Um, I, mean, I mean, what else do you expect us to do, right? No, absolutely. Um, I Yeah, it's, I don't know. Where, where, where do we even go from there? It's been a weird week in Syracuse Athletics, and it's been... Yeah. Um, I guess let's, I guess let's, let's offset this with some really good news, uh, seeing... Uh, Felicia Legette Jack, the new head coach of the Syracuse Orange women's basketball team, decided to bring half of her Buffalo Bulls to Syracuse with her? All your Bulls belong to us. Seriously. Uh, it, like, the, so Felicia Legette Jack picked up uh, three more people to join her team. Uh, one of them is grad transfer Asia, Asia Strong, who is probably the least interesting out of each person. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no offense that, to her. That but has the... <laughs> joined. Yeah, graduates are Asia strong. The least interesting after scoring a measly 600 points um, over the last two seasons at Wichita State. Yep. So, like, if that's the least interesting person, then you know that's that's that shows that something's good. Um, the second most interesting person is that uh, Lexi McNabb is uh, committing to Syracuse. If uh, that. Last name rings familiar. Yes, she is the daughter of Donovan McNabb, who you may also know that uh, Donovan McNabb is married to uh, Raquel Nurse now, Raquel McNabb. And Raquel Nurse was on Syracuse when Felicia Get Jack was a assistant yep. at Syracuse. So a lot of synergy there. Two former basketball players, McNabb, the loose term of basketball player <laughs> hey hey i watched him in the dome play basketball it it is a thing <laughs> there is video that exists of it um and the, hold on we have a 12 minutes and 38 seconds steve is old got it yeah okay great <laughs> god our although half the people listening to this are like wow that young kid barely 
<laughs> he he he. That was my one of my first memories in the dome. So there we go. We we, we start we started our pregame talk uh, with the, just the two of us talking about InSync. So that that's that's how we age ourselves. Yeah, um, exactly. So um, so obviously, Alexa Ming that probably we're we're not sure how how good she's going to be basketball wise, but um, like hey, pretty good. If you can, if you have the genetic blood, yeah, uh, I, that, the best Syracuse athletes, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. There's, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's something to be said for genetics, and she definitely has them. So I'd say it's a, it's a win-win for Syracuse. Yeah, and that's only the second most interesting player uh, that's joining Syracuse. Makes the most interesting one, as we alluded to, all your Buffalo Bill, uh, Bulls belong to us. I almost said Buffalo Bills. We'll get to them in a second. Um, but all your Buffalo Bulls belong to us because um, Daisha Fair, I, or Daisha Fair, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. We'll learn how to pronounce that correctly Absolutely. because she's transferring to Syracuse as well and joining Felicia to get Jack along with the other two. Um, Buffalo players that also joined as well. Uh, three, excuse me. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Woolley, uh, Sando uh, Wilson, Shayamic Evans. Um, so those three, um, those three now joined by Daisha Fair is yep. going to be very, very interesting because Fair is a is a very, very interesting player that she scored 23 points uh, per game over the last three seasons and continues to score 23 points as well with uh, with Buffalo last season. Um, so I, you're not expecting Fair to also do that in the ACC. I don't think anyone is expecting Fair to do that in the ACC, but the fact that you have someone that's that good at scoring is I think a positive there because there there was some times last year, if I recall correctly, where this uh, women's team did struggle to score. And yeah, it's a much different team than last year as well. But yeah, I mean, when you look at ACC play, you're looking at many scores, some of them in the 50s, some of them in the 60s, some of them in the 50s, but mainly in the 60s and 70s. And that's not always going to get it done in the ACC. So having fair in a proven scorer who won't get probably won't get you 23 points a game like she did in the Mac, but to get somewhere closer to that area in the ACC is going to be very, very important. So that's Buffalo's not only Buffalo's top scorer coming from, uh, from Buffalo, but also the also great players, uh, Georgia Woolley being the one of the other highlights, the former, uh, Mac freshman of the year, fair, also a former Mac freshman of the year. She was named also fared the MVP of the MAC tournament when the Bulls won that MAC tournament, leading uh, FLJ to that uh, the NCAA appearance that also probably helped in getting her to Syracuse. So, from a women's side, this is a it's a very interesting t- team right now. You still have a lot of transfers that have already left. Um, including one that was just announced today. Jayla Thornton is leaving the team and also entering the portal for her final uh, year of eligibility. Say you already had um, both cars enter the portal as well, along with Priscilla Williams and Juliana Walker. So there is, much like last year, a lot of turnover on the women's side. But you've got... You've got something good brewing here, and I think there's a lot better optimism around this women's basketball program just based on what we saw them bring in with who they brought in. You still have other people, other people that have brought in as well, and that you have all those Buffalo people. You have a couple of other transfers, uh, one from Temple in um, and Kyra Woods, and um. And the Kentucky transfer, I believe, Olivia Owens. So there's there's good talent in this women's basketball team. So there, there's a reason to be excited. And I know a lot of people aren't don't go out to watch this team. It was 11-18 team last year. Uh, but there, there's a lot of optimism to be had and a lot of good reasons to go out 
and see this team at the dome, especially with the uh, personnel that they've brought in. You br- when you bring in a, a proven scorer like Daisha Fair into the lineup, then you've got a lot of opportunity to go places with this team. Um, Steve had to step out for a sec. We'll get him back as quickly as we can. But um, I want to take this time to you know plug our sponsors. For the Troy Nunes as an absolute podcast, that's, of course, Home Field Apparel, the maker of all your throwback apparel needs and your comfy, comfiest shirts that you could ever wear. That's, of course, visit them at homefieldapparel.com. And one of the big things is that Syracuse may be getting some new shorts, shirts in the near future, in the very, very near future. So keep an eye out on Home Field Apparel. Keep an eye, eye out on their website. And, of course, if you're looking to buy anything, at the site at homefieldapparel.com um, and use the code NUNES10 or is it NUNES? It's one of those two. It's, NU, it's Noons or Noons10 to get 10% off your order at Homefield. And you've, you've got so many great Syracuse shirts. Of course, everyone loves the Vita the Code. Steve loves his 90s throwback logo. One of the most recent ones, the vintage Syracuse basketball logo. And of course, keep on badgering them on Twitter if you'd like to so get some auto joggers, which I know Andy would be a big fan of getting. One of the newest ones that we, I think we featured last week, we had Air Force. Uh, the uh, Air Force Falcon just looks amazing. And of course, our our personal one of our personal favorites at the New Tradition site, the, the Tulane uh, Green Wave, Angry Wave jersey. Uh, uh, <laughs> mascot. That is always a great one to to um, to see, and we, uh, we've we've seen a couple of you guys already uh, showing off those home field apparel shirts. So thank you all for you know helping us support our one of our favorite sponsors, Home Field Apparel, and of course at checkout NUNES10 or NUNES Noons to get ten percent off your order. So one of the big stories that happened this week that I think we can all relate to is the updates that came out about the Dome. Now I'm going to pull up uh, Chris Carlson's article, or was it Nate Mink's article? It's one of those two. Of course, the uh, the reporters at Syracuse.com always do great stories on these subjects, about, especially with the Dome upgrades that may or may not be coming, because it's such a big, big story about... What exactly they're going to do with the dome, especially with all the that new grant money that apparently is coming up with the infusion of new money from the JMA wireless deal that is uh, not yet confirmed by Syracuse, but should be very very close to doing something in terms of the money that's coming into the dome. So, the article is from Chris Carlson. I'm not going to read everything um, that's in that article. That um, that's because it's behind a paywall. Um, so, if you haven't already, go subscribe to Syracuse.com and you know support them because their journalism is always great, especially stuff from the sports department. When it's whether it's Chris Carlson, whether it's Nate Mink, whether it's Donna Toto or Mike Waters or any of the great journalists at Syracuse.com, go out and please subscribe to them because their uh, coverage is always great about Syracuse Athletics. The first big one, um, the big storyline is that uh, the new seats are going to be coming to the Dome. You're going to get the bleachers removed, the bleacher seating removed from the Dome, and it's going to be a single seating, um, much like you would see at a normal stadium, not just, you know, metal bars and it will just be single seating and the big topic of conversation around these new seats at the dome is that those seats are going to be blue and it's going to be navy blue now i when i initially saw this i was a little bit confused just mainly because of course something that we've always preached at at syracuse and now uh, for News Magician, is that Syracuse just doesn't uh, put in a lot of orange into their athletics department. 
uh, because they are the Syracuse Orange, but, you know, it's a lot of white uniforms. You went through the platinum stage with some uniforms, both on football and on basketball. I mean, there's still a lot of blue that's used for Syracuse, and it feels like that Syracuse, just in general, as an athletics department, hasn't completely utilized the color orange to its fullest degree. And they should, because it's not only your primary color, it's the name of the team being named at the athletic program, and it's the name of the school. The big thing is that I, it feels like it, my gut reaction, and you saw it on Twitter, was that these seats should be orange, and just to kind of connect everything with the community of Syracuse. And I think that's, that that is in one way a miss. But on the other side, the um when when Chris Corrosen and Nate Mink were talking with Pete Sala, who is the vice president and chief facilities officer of Syracuse University, former formerly the head of the Carrier Dome, now just the Dome. Pete Sala said that it was mainly mainly just a lighting thing, and. And the exact quote that Sawa said is talking to uh, other venues when you get into these one-off colors, it's not a good thing. The vendors talked a lot about a hockey stadium that went with red suites that just didn't work too well. Our orange is tough to match. We're better off than the navy blue that matches our other colors. And I can get that because there is a... Because you're playing in an indoor facility, there is an inherent dullness to the dome. And that's not just because it's the dome and it's a, a facility that does continually need to be updated with the times. Most, if not all, indoor facilities have a dullness to them because natural light uh, doesn't really add anything. And you're starting to see it a bit more with Syracuse that you have the natural light coming in with kind of the transparent top of the roof of the dome. But... There is a need to make the dome more vibrant, and there is a need to make it. There is a need to have it give more character to the dome. And so, if yes, there is a want to have orange seats at the Carrier Dome, and that's the initial reaction. the The lighting thing is an important thing to consider, and and maybe the navy blue gives the dome a bit more character in an area where it's again not the most vibrant it's not the most exciting it's it's a little bit dull just because it's an indoor facility um so there's opportunities there to at least make it not look as dead when there's empty seats at uh at football games when there's empty seats at women's basketball games when there's some empty seats at lacrosse games so there is an opportunity to make the dome look a bit more vibrant. Steve, as a purist of the Dome, I'm not sure how you feel about those seats being blue. Because, again, like I said to, to the viewers, it's my initial gut reaction was, yeah, why is it not orange? But at the right. same time, I get where they're coming from for the reasoning being blue. Yeah, and uh, sorry about that, folks. I had to step away for a minute. But uh, the I, as dumb as it sounds, I don't care. Like, I I get it. I I get why why they opted for the blue. From everything we can gather, it seems like all valid reasons why they're opting for the blue. Um, the orange would have been awesome. It would have been a signature. I mean, it would have looked like a signature stadium. Uh, like we we are, you know, orange. That that's what we are. Um, <laughs> contrary to everything SUA tends to put out, uh, <laughs> they uh, but it's it's it is what it is i mean the the orange seats apparently aren't that unique uh when you look at every team that wears oranges basketball arena um so what are we gaining from it i, I don't know for the ease of replaceability and cost effectiveness which will allow us to get other upgrades um and and i'm assuming that that's part of the package is if uh if this goes through as it is we will be um, 
you know, uh, privy to some other upgrades with that cost savings, not just, you know, bank it somewhere like it'll it'll improve the the fan uh, experience somewhere else in the dome. So once that kind of comes to fruition, that'll be it'll be a nice feather in the cap to say, hey, here's this improvement. Here's this thing that we're doing. We did this, you know, and off the record, you know, you find out, hey, we did this with the money that we saved by going with the generic seats that we can replace. And I don't know. I get it to a degree. And and you mentioned like what that money does go to. Again, we've we we mentioned that, you know, the JMA wireless deal and the 20 million grant that uh, Syracuse is or what apparently Syracuse is getting in the budget from taxpayer money um, from the from the government. Um, is helping to, you know, build these dome renovations. The JMA money is important as well, and the JMA affiliation is important as well, because as Chris Carlson points out uh, towards the end of his article, um, talking about these renovations, JMA has actually worked with some other arenas as well, the main ones being uh, Pfizer Forum for the Milwaukee Bucks and SoFi Stadium for the Chargers and Rams in the NFL. Out of Los Angeles, so uh, we all know that uh, wireless connectivity in the dome is <laughs> a thing, to say the least. Suboptimal so, at best. So suboptimal at best, especially when there's thirty thousand people in there, um, all of them trying to use the internet, and they still a... don't have a dedicated press wireless. Like, no, I on, mean, guys. those are small details, but let's gloss over that fact. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's like, yes, it it would be a cool thing to have orange seats, but at the end of the day, like, which battles are you really willing to die for? Yeah. I think it's a a big thing. Yeah. And that I don't think should be the hill anyone is, you know, choosing to die on. Because at the end of the day, how much does the color of the seats really affect the fan experience? Right. So. Like, and, and as, as more people have pointed out it's more likely to hinder the experience because of the lighting effects more so than the enhancing the fan experience. Right. So I don't know. What did I, uh, what did I miss while I was gone? Yeah. So I finished up the women's basketball talk and then I plugged our friends at home field apparel again, wink, wink, check their sites. Uh, things may be coming Syracuse related in the very near future. Yes. Wink, wink. Um, and those Syracuse things, so, you can use the code noons 10 to receive 10% off. So do exactly. that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so when those wink, wink things in the future may be coming, um, please make sure you use that code NUNES10 for ten percent off. Uh, so that's the Carrier Dome talk. Of course, one of the teams well, that plays in the Carrier Dome is the Syracuse men's basketball team, mm. and there was a gala that was held for the Julie and Jim Beheim Foundation. Of course, Jim talked about things surrounding his basketball team. Um, our very own Andy Pregler was there, and because he doesn't have a laptop with him, he can't talk about what was said. But he can relay some information, and he relayed information. <laughs> <laughs> not not so, a whole heck of a lot of information, and information that we are, well, half the information we already knew just by default, but uh, the, the one drop was quite interesting. So, so the, the interesting thing is, okay, for everyone who thought Benny Williams wasn't going to play next year, he's playing next year. Yay. He, he's, he's coming back. He's playing next year. Um, so, and You, you mean the only returning forward on the roster is going to play? Yeah, wow. <laughs> Weird. Shocker. Oh, hmm. Our dream of Frank Anselm at the four is dead uh, because he is now a member of the Georgia Bulldogs. But... Um, we're, I think most of us are excited for what uh, Benny Williams can do with more consistent minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And he he multiple times showed flashes last year. And, I, you know, go go straight into coach speak. Well, he showed flashes here. and like, But he he really did show some of what he could do, some of the, the athleticism that he brought to the table um, without the consistent minutes and, you know, playing in the, the style that the team was playing. I don't really think it was. Uh, I I don't think it was quite the right fit for him. But if this uh, this team ends up being what we think it may be, with the revamped incoming class and um, you know uh, a a new hand at the point that's a little 
different feel than Joe, uh, with Joe playing off on the two when he can, uh, that, that may change how we need to look at athleticism and maybe we start a little more, you know, up and down, run and gun. Um, I'm just vamping and going into craziness at this point because that's what I remember seeing, uh, from the teams I liked the most back in the day. Uh, and where Jim Beheim has been like very said, successful. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm um, you've you've heard me for the past two seasons. I'm an advocate uh, for, especially for the way that Syracuse had been structuring its teams yep. over the past couple of years. I was an advocate of switching to the Phoenix Sun seven seconds or less style of offense yep. because I feel like just with the personnel that you had, it, it was suited up to do that. And I think that. It'll be interesting to see how that changes this year because you really only have two proofed scorers right. in Gerard and and Edwards. Yep. And because teams know that, it's going to be very easy to game plan against them. Um, because you just have because even if you play zone, you just somewhat you just to like steal a soccer term, you just have someone man mark uh, Gerard just everywhere he goes. Yeah. Like like find your Mo Adams and stick him on Gerard and. Bam, you're done. Because that's how teams did with Buddy Bayham last year. And I don't think Gerard has the same skills that Bayheim does to diversify his scoring and off-ball movement enough in order to lose the team's best uh, off-ball defender or just defender in general. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts in that situation. Right, and we haven't seen him play off the ball enough to 100% know whether or not he has anything new in his repertoire or yeah. whether he develops something new. Mm-hmm. But... From what we've seen, I'm 100% with you that it's a it's a relatively short playbook on yeah. things that you're running for, Joe. And like I said, we haven't seen Joe against the team's best defender. Right. Because Joe has never been the primary scoring threat. It's always been, you know, back in his freshman years, it was Elijah Hughes. In the next two seasons, it was Buddy Beheim. Yep. And now it's him. So he's the primary outside scoring threat. And when you stick the best defending guard that you have on your roster against him, how does he react? And how can he develop open space for him? Because he knows, if he doesn't know by now, he's got to know that uh, he works best in open space. So how does that? How does he or the team develop that open space for him? Yeah, and that's uh, hopefully, hopefully the offense adapts around something in that vein. Um, and hopefully it maximizes his potential because we've seen, you know, much like Benny, we've seen the, the, the good sides of Joe going off. And if we can, you know, bring out some of those games a little more consistently and turn down some of the, you know, stupid things from him not playing his natural position, uh, we should be hopefully in a better spot. And then it makes everything be predicated on the incoming class, which, you know, why why not put all the pressure on them? So now let's see what happens um with this team, especially with a couple of players who are gonna go pro. Speaking of going pro, the NFL draft. It's <laughs> a noise that no Syracuse player heard this this year. It is and true. It's a streak that has been it's a streak broken since the last time back in twenty seventeen where no Syracuse player was taken in the NFL draft. Sad times, but that's just kind of the... Um, that's just kind of the... How I want to say it, The way that things have gone, especially before this past season. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is that, you know, some of those... Most of those Syracuse players do get um, signed in the offseason um, after the draft to... Uh, training cramps as undrafted free agents, and one of them, uh, we had Syracuse had three of those. Um, one of those is Josh Black, who immediately went to the Chicago Bears. McKinley Williams went to the Indianapolis Colts, and for most Syracuse fans, a good favorite for them, Kingsley Jonathan went to the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Was happy. <laughs> So, overall, I mean, it, it's good to see three guys picked up, and three guys picked up really quick off of, um, yeah. you know, they they definitely had been in consult with these teams prior. They were all announced, I think, within an hour of the draft ending. So it was, it was pretty quick, uh, pretty quick responses for all of them. Um, really good to see everybody that got picked up picked up. They they were you know lifers for Q's. I mean, all three of them were what six year players, right? 
Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and and all three D linemen. Gee, what do we have to fill this year? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, um, actually, mildly surprised that Roscoe hasn't gotten picked up yet. Me too. Yeah, I'm surprised that Mark that Cody Roscoe didn't get a uh, at, le- at least just a sign to get a training camp uh, invite, which is a very interesting thing. Um, but of course, like we said, it's Black to the Bills, McWilliams to the Colts, and Roscoe to the Bills. And I wanted to take this time also to talk about our teams and their draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have um, Andy here to analyze hand size or Kenny Pickett. So we'll defer to Steve first for his bills because they unfortunately got someone who was better than Randy Dixon at putting the ball. This is true. I mean, they drafted a literal punt god, uh, which <laughs> uh, apparently uh, Matariza doesn't like that nickname. No, he doesn't. Yeah. So uh, you know, you know, the Bills will not the, the Bills Mafia will not stop that. No, uh, but. It has to be noted, and we will put this on air. He does not like being called the punt god, even though he may be said punt god. Um, I did have to uh, reach out to my good buddy, Andy Straub, who is a lifelong Bills fan, and the only person I know to ever have a Brian Mormon jersey. Uh, oh, that's a that's a thing. Okay. Yeah, deep cut. And uh, I did ask him uh, if he was going to get an Horizon uh, jersey, and he said no, Mormon for life. So he still rocks no. every every game that he goes to. A season ticket holder still rocks the Mormon jersey. So wow. yeah, dedication. Um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, I was relatively help or happy with the Bills draft. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was you know they made a lot of moves, a lot of trades. Um, they they picked up a couple of cornerbacks that were needs in. Uh, Elam from Florida, and I can't remember trying to remember the name of the sixth rounder uh, they grabbed from Nova. That's who it was. It was uh, Christian Banford, or uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, but another corner from Nova. So one double A kid uh, must have impressed if they're pulling one double A kids. Um, James Cook from UGA, from the aforementioned Georgia. Uh, as a running back to slot in, probably as the third back, uh, which means Zach Moss and the recently signed Duke Johnson, who's turned into quite the journeyman after his stint of having like two good games for the Browns. Duke, John- Duke Johnson's on the Bills. Yeah. Yep. Not for long, so, but he was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, you know they they bolstered the linebacking core. Um, which was already a relatively crowded room, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to add depth where you need it. I was disappointed, as you can imagine, that they didn't pick up any interior offensive linemen, which was actually a need. Um, And then that's about it. I mean, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot that I could complain more about. Uh, With what they had for picks, they, they made the most of... They traded down, you know, a couple picks here and there to snag people that they wanted so it seemed to be one of those drafts where they got got names that they actually they, they made moves to get names they actually wanted which i was going to say billy bean but brandon bean uh has yeah uh, <laughs> imp- impressed you know that that is a very billy bean move but <laughs> uh yeah. the the other bean um seemed to do a decent job uh thoughts on your well i guess did you have any other thoughts on the bills or <laughs> Seeing you follow uh, the, was, the general landscape more than I do. Yeah, I, I was I, I thought that uh, they would actually potentially try and make a move in the late first round or early second round to try and steal Brees Hall mm. instead of instead of going for James Cook. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, from what I heard in the Bills organization, liked Brees Hall. Right. So, um, so luckily, luckily the Jets took him and um. <laughs> I, I, for at least for me, I'm very happy with my Jets draft. Um, you, you can imagine that first round was a fever dream for Jets fans. It it um, was like it was one of those where you see it and you're like, wait, the Jets aren't screwing this up. What's what's going on? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. The only the only thing, um, and it's just based on the pick and capital that they had. Um, I would have also liked some more offensive linemen. They only took Mac, Max Mitchell from Louisiana. Yeah. Um, 
So I so I th- because I think I, because I was actually on the fence of whether the Jets should take Sauce Gardner or Ikea Kanwu mm. at the fourth pick. Because right. there was some because you could you could have you could have also made an argument for Kalon Thibodeau at the four, which would have been a very a very interesting pick. But the I think the way that it turned out I think is pretty good for the Jets um, against Sands offensive linemen. Right, because as we learned in great detail in Syracuse, you can never have too many offensive linemen. This is true. I I can say I did miss an ACC connection with the Bills though, because uh, Luke Tenuta from Vatek got picked mm-hmm. up uh, in the yes. late rounds. So, mm-hmm. and then also forgot that uh, I of course while you're talking I looked up um, the uh, the whiteout from Boise that they grabbed. Uh, apparently is going to slot right slot right in pun intended uh for Cole Beasley so that should be should yeah. be a pretty good grab Khalil Shakir I believe um mm-hmm. and might be you know working in on kick return punt return duties so I think yeah that's you can't go wrong yeah I think I think you need to keep Micah Hyde as healthy as possible so removing him from those duties is yeah never a bad thing. couldn't couldn't hurt in any way shape or form well, it could if the guy isn't nearly as good, but yeah, keeping him on the field would help, as has been proven. So, indeed. So we we've got about ten or so minutes, with a little bit more left. So we're gonna do the resonant Troy Nunes is a po- absolute podcast thing and go through our favorite thing to do, which is soccer. Yeah. So well, actually, before we hit that, um, since since that is officially our show closer every every week now. Uh, per per requests, do uh do you want to touch on since we had the whole series all week? Uh, your give me your best and worst dome moments. Uh, for what? Huh? Just in general. For for wait for what series? I'm I'm not following you here. The how we did the the Carrier Dome series, the best like five best football moments, five oh. best basketball. Oh right, yeah. Uh, oh, I thought you said dough moments, like like Homer <laughs> said, dough moments. Um, well, so I let's put it this way: some of the well, the the one I know you're gonna bring up is uh, is definitely know, one of those we know, moments. We know what my worst one is. Yeah. We know what my worst one. Is. Absolutely. Um, what? Um, if we're talking ones that I've experienced personally in yep. the dome, it's probably. God, it's tough because there's been a couple of good upsets I've been a part of at the Dome. Um, fun fact, I've only been to two games at the Dome as a fan. Really? Um, I've been to every other game as a media member. <laughs> um, I remember both of them. Yep. It's it's the uh, what it was a overtime win over Wake Forest in 2015 for for, for basketball. Yep. And the aforementioned worst game, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um. I because I'm flipping between two. It's either Derek. Ironically, both happening in the 2016-17 season. Okay. 2016 when Syracuse upset Virginia Tech, and that was in football. And then in 2017 when they upset Virginia in basketball. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those I I got rid of tickets for both of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those those two were very very fun moments to be a part of, um, mainly because I filmed both of those, and um, especially for the Virginia Tech one, mm-hmm. I got mobbed by fans at the field. Nice, very mm-hmm. nice. I have a great shot of uh, Eric Dungey literally being carried into the tunnel. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh. it's one of my it's one of the better shots that I filmed uh, yep. in my in my in my media career. Um, the worst one, the special shout out goes to that 2018 Syracuse Albany lacrosse game. That was horrific. But of course, the worst one, Syracuse Nova football 2014. Yep. What are we coming. doing here? Yeah. Yeah, we've we've rehashed that and beat that one to death, much like what uh, you, you can only imagine my worst would be um, or will be. Uh, <laughs> yep. So yeah, uh, anyone who 
doesn't know about that, just go look up a box score from that game and a recap and cry well, in a corner. The, the, the bad thing is that the box score is only half the story because you have to know how you got there as well. That's true. That's very true because that was a journey. That was definitely a journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, personally, as as dumb as it sounds, my probably my favorite dome moment that I was there for because I sold tickets to the Clemson upset because we had a wedding that no, I didn't sell them. I gave them away to my buddy, uh, and his friend because we had a wedding that night that was set because it was with the people. Our whole se section was empty or people that didn't normally sit there because my, uh, my buddy who we have season tickets with, uh, was getting married and we got married on a Friday night because in the fall we're like, well, we don't want it to be on a game day. And lo and behold, it happens to be the one game day of the game year on a Friday day. night yeah. that happens to be the Clemson game and the upset. So yeah, <laughs> um, wasn't there for that. Uh, so my... were you guys doing the traditional, you know, huddle around the phone oh, at the reception? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was exactly how you would anticipate it. Like all of us were at the same table outside of them at the, the head table and we're all sitting there around the phone and then the groom and bride kept coming over on occasion like hey what's the score hey what's going on <laughs> so yeah and then it, sebastian had just been born so we were a month out of that and had uh had to leave early from the wedding so i got to watch it on my couch so it's okay. it was a, it, it's it's quite the it was quite the roundabout game um yeah but best dome moment I actually was there for had to have been the Trills Strip 6. As weird as that sounds, Ooh, and wow. as recent as it was, just yeah, the, the, re the reaction. And, well, you got to remember, too, when I was a student there. Because that was 08, 09. I was, was in grad school uh, at ESF. So that was GERD years, right? Uh-huh. Or post or just postcard. It was Gerg years, and it was uh, not the highlight of the men's basketball uh, tenure here. Um, no. So yeah, it was because it was I was there the Onowaku years before he became Onowaku, and yeah. then the Gerg football years. So it was it was a nice mix of horrible athletics. Um, so yeah, I, the lacrosse team was good, but. but uh, beyond that, it was there wasn't much. So in person, even though I've had season tickets forever uh, since I moved back to Syracuse, pretty much uh, the ones that I've been able to attend, it came down to one I was covering in the media uh, in the press box, and the only time I've ever seen the press box actually like people jump up and be excited in the press box over something. So trip six, yeah, yeah, and it was That's, it was just fun to watch. Um, and the the dome erupted, which was amazing. But uh, yeah, and everybody was like, h half the people that knew what was happening were like, "Get down, <laughs> like go down." And then he got to a certain point, and the whole stadium just erupted with, uh, you know, response. And then, as you can imagine, well, no, I'll have to go honorable mention, much like you did, the Demetrius Nichols blown layup against Wichita State was the oh, second worst <laughs> moment. The worst had to have been the Syracuse versus Iowa overtime, mm -hmm. overtime, overtime game. Oh, yeah. That was the most miserable thing since the history of man. Um, if you would like to see more waxing poetic on that, please contact John Casillo on Twitter. Uh, he will gladly... Block you for Let mentioning me that. You. Gladly block you for mentioning that. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, fun times. Fun times. Oh yeah. Many many good times have been had in the dome. Those are just the ones we've seen. And there will be many more to come in a very unique fashion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In a differently named building that has a similarly bulbous roof. Yep. So roller coaster may or may may or may not be pending. This is true. I think they should just put it in for the heck of it. Um, yeah, but contrary well, to and, normal and, belief, while, while we're there, just to throw throw a Ferris wheel next to it, and you know, call it a carnival. Yeah, why not? Seems great. <laughs> <laughs> it draw people in. The new location. 
the new location of the New York State Fair. Why not? <laughs> oh, just bring it right up onto the hill. It's already, it's already yeah, crazy exactly. enough. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, strangely enough, something that used to be played in the Dome back in the, the Dark Ages. Uh, before, the Dark Ages. <laughs> before, before Field Turf and before uh, they had a beautiful grass field, Syracuse men's soccer played professional games this week. And things happened. Things did happen. That was a that was a game yesterday for uh, between Montreal and and Atlanta. Yeah, all all of the all of the Syracuse defenders at the same time, mm-hmm. and they were doing things that were um, maybe or maybe not defending. <laughs> well, 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 one of them was not doing the defending. He he was directly involved in all the attacking yeah yep so um standout well actually it's funny because i just picked up the match recap if you go to the mls match recap the first thing you think see is a very very happy kamal miller so yeah uh if you can imagine he's very happy for a reason and that's because he scored right at the beginning of this four minutes in. oh yeah Mm -hmm. so uh i think i believe that's his first notch to the year I don't know if it's his first so. career. It no, might that'd be. be interesting. Is that the first? Uh, uh, no, it's second. Second. Oh, second this year. Hmm, missed one. No, so. he scored one last year. Oh, okay. Uh, but but his first his first of this year, he scored one last year. Gotcha. So, you know, always the, always yeah. good to see the the. Syracuse on Syracuse action. The other big thing is that he provides the game-winning assist in the 82nd minute as well. Mm-hmm. Which is tasty. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, beyond that, I don't know. It was a pretty... Yeah. Pretty slow... Uh, pretty... Slow slow week for the... Um, the, the alums... Uh, I don't believe uh, maybe yeah Mo Adams got some time as a sub against New England. Um, beyond that, I don't really know if anything yeah, out of the ordinary I happened. I don't I don't see DeAndre Kerr out there for Toronto. No, I mean Alex started, but that's that's like you know that's uh, like mentioning that, Miles but starts. Alex, <laughs> but uh, we don't need to mention that Alex and Miles are starting. <laughs> right. So. So yeah, I mean overall a pretty pretty solid week for the orange in the pros. And uh we'll see what happens moving forward. I know uh I know it'll be it'll be interesting to see, especially once um the European seasons come to a close and the transfer season opens. Uh if we have any moves or anybody doing any you know any traversing of the pond, if you will, and heading to Europe. Looking at you, Mr. Robinson. Um But what do you but what do you but what do you think about what may or may not happen on Wednesday, May fourth, at ten p.m. on the west coast of the United States of America? Is it Wednesday or is it Tuesday? No, it's Wednesday. Uh, so Wednesday, I'm going to be tired, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more next week since Pregler and I yeah. are both Sounders fans, but Seattle is mm-hmm. in the CCL final against uh, Pumas and have drawn the first leg away 2-2. Um, unfortunately for the Sounders, away goals don't mean anything in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, so they need a result to win the CONCACAF Champions League and become the first ever MLS side to do so. And here's to hoping. And I'm hoping. So uh, I'm glad we don't record this on Wednesday nights because I will be dog tired uh, after having to stay up till at least 1230 Eastern to watch this game. Yeah. So what uh, I guess from an outsider's perspective, what uh, what are your thoughts on what's going to come down to that? You just I just hope the MLS wins just because it's, you know, you I, I think Taylor Twelman put it best, or it was either Taylor Twelman or Alexi Lawless, one of the two, that said, it was probably Alexi Lawless, who said, like, if if you want the MLS to attract more talent yep. to the league, the first thing you got to do is win the continent. 
Yeah. And you have to do that by winning this championship. Right. And they've, I mean, MLS has had a couple of teams in the, the uh, championship, but it's been, it's been a while since, you know, they've gone into the last leg with this good of a chance. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Here's the hoping, but, uh, yeah. Until then, you got anything else? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> We've already gone an hour. We don't need to vamp with uh with, with our with our Marvel minute. Uh, though next week you may want to hang on because there's a lot of Marvel. Because happening. we will be we will be vamping with our Marvel minute. <laughs> yeah, we we won't even need to vamp. We'll we'll take that to another like section. Well, it, it'll be the hour. Uh, well, it looks like I uh. I may have lost Christian. Nope, he's back. Nope, I'm here. Yeah. Discord little, paused for a second. Yep, little hiccup. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, that may be a sign, I guess. Yeah, it's telling us that we need to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for anyone out there who, uh, I apologize for anybody who's trying to watch on, or tried to watch on Twitch, thank you for coming and downloading this and listening because, uh, for some reason, the audio isn't working on Twitch. Um, per. Uh, per mic, I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll still try and embed the feed and see if it was just something on his end or whether it was uh, something global. And uh, you know, check us out at noonsmagician.com at noonsmagician on all the socials. I don't know if we're active anywhere besides Twitter, but whatever. Um, you know, come check out Christian, myself, Andy, uh, anytime on Twitter at our various handles. Uh, check out all of our writing at newsmagician.com and we'll be here every Sunday night at 8. So, anything else? Are we good? No, I think we're good. I think we ended off with the traditional thing. Go Orange. Go Orange. <laughs>